0: Hello there, and welcome to episode two of Huge Ass Paddock Pass. I'm your host, Tom Ellison. With me in the booth is Andrew Fawcett. Hello. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, uh, and Alex Cofford is here as well.
1: Oh, oh.
0: Oh, 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 oh. Uh, so I we are. Hello. <laughs> we're back. Thank you, everyone, to listen to our pilot podcast. We can digress with this technology and we're ready to go again. So let's get straight to the news. All right. What have we got? We've got Formula One, Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I seem to remember last episode we all made our predictions. I confidently said that Ferrari were going to win, Vettel was going to take the win. <laughs> uh, that didn't really happen, did it? Tell us about it.
2: Well done,
3: Baku.
0: Well done, Baku. <laughs> uh, do they
3: get a well done? Uh
0: I, I mean, they didn't, I mean, there was they didn't some mess entertaining it up entirely. I thought it was a good race, personally. I, th- I thought, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't. So much of action as we've seen in the, in the past years, but strategy-wise, it was it was pretty pretty compelling. I thought, especially the front like those top five were all in it right to the end.
1: It's that weird balance where the castle section is always going to be interesting with Rex. The front stretch is always going to have some pretty insane passes. Right. But I, but it's kind of like a two-trick pony, if that makes sense.
0: And <laughs> I, it, sure. You know, it
1: sticks to its shtick, and it does it alright, which is craziness and manhole covers flying off, so... Uh, that's negative. That's that was a
0: negative. insane. I mean, William's probably going to be sending them a bill. I would.
1: Unfortunately, Ha sent, what was that, Singapore the bill when it happened to them, and they didn't get it for a year, the cash back. So, can William survive for a full year?
3: Ooh, that, uh, that, that hurts. <laughs> I mean... That was, like, super heavy damage to, like, the chassis of the car. Like, that wasn't like they destroyed a wing. Like, that was like...
0: <laughs> did they did they have to replace the chassis? They did. I don't... Oh.
3: Yeah. So,
1: not only they did, um, the backup chassis was supposed to eventually go to uh, Kibisa. Mm-hmm. And his current chassis has a defect in it. A structural defect which is not allowing it to be that's why they're saying don't drive over curbs <laughs> you know they're <laughs> telling him do not drive over drive over curbs because your car could fall apart or whatever the issue that is kind of...
0: that's not great really is it
1: and so he's supposed to get this new chassis and instead it goes to the other guy because you know we'll, they or, had I mean, to
0: race uh, yeah
1: yeah russell has to race george russell has to race and so You know, it's this crappy situation where they really, really, really need every resource they can get, and a non-bolted-down manhole cover. I mean, luckily, it just damaged the car, and unfortunately, it's the Williams that's in the most, but could you imagine if that thing flew up in the air? Oh, for
0: sure. It was a scary incident. We've seen it before at Monaco, we've seen it before Azerbaijan, I think we've seen it, and Singapore, as you mentioned. But these, I yeah. think, it's happened
3: in other series too. I mean, yeah, I think I recall like an IndyCar incident where it happened too. So at like, Long Beach,
0: I think, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the nature it's, of speed circuits. Like you have this stuff yeah. that you don't find on on, on purpose built race circuits, and well, Singapore be a <laughs> Singapore <laughs> the
3: drain cover. <laughs> so I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but it's it's stuff that that you just have to you know the, the organizers yeah. should be preparing for this. They should be making sure everything's bolted down tight, welded down. And well, they, it just
3: it it, it had to, it had to happen to Williams, didn't it? Right. Like, it, and, and, like not only are they behind the eight ball, f- like before the season even starts, but then after the season starts, they just couldn't buy luck. Like if they could afford it, it's just horrendous. And, luck. and
0: going back to your point when you mentioned that the, the current Kubica chassis has a has a defect in it, this is the same chassis that he stuffed into the wall in Q one, is it?
3: Yes. Ooh, I'm sure. God, I'm please. sure that didn't help it either.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. Williams well, got to be running low on parts.
0: They got to be. They got to be in trouble. It's it's really sad to see th- this team. I mean, won so many titles in the '90s and was winning races not so long ago, like 20, 2013,
3: 2012, That Maldonado won in Spain.
0: Yeah, you know, fr- fr- fluke result, but they were up there.
3: Um, I mean, they were competing. They were competing towards the front of the grid. Yeah,
0: even like... with Bottas in in the Mercedes years, yeah. like they had pace towards the it's... front. <clears throat>
3: Yeah, I watched the uh, the Williams documentary on Netflix recently. Oh yeah, and this is this is like when Williams first started in Formula One, like like when they very first got into Formula One, and when Frank Williams was building these cars, like they weren't successful. They had issues with you know cars being reliable, and then I think he got knocked out of formula one like he sold hit the team off and then he started williams and well, so it yeah. kind of almost reminds me of that he was but running it's...
0: i remember he was running marches in like the mid-70s yeah like buying march yeah, chassis yeah. and putting a ford yeah. DFV and going racing but then yeah. when they started williams engineering with patrick head and i think that was 78 they started
3: yeah it was late 70s um 77 or
0: 78 but they, they won their first race in 79 yeah and
1: they definitely want to stay independent. They right. Want to be, and I think I that's, mean, they want to win championships. They I, want to stay independent, and I respect yep. that. I respect
0: that. I think there's, I think there's an important place for that in motorsport as well. Um, I do too. It's always been the independent place teams. Is a
1: place that struggles right now with customer cars and technical partnerships.
0: The and yeah. When you're
1: trying to trail your, or blaze your own trail, and you come into this rough patch, man. You better hope you can weather the storm, which I, I really hope Williams does because I don't necessarily pull for them, I don't root for them, but they are a delight on the field. They definitely deserve an F1 grid spot, and it would be a shame to see them go. I oh, for sure. I
3: don't agree. think. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to see like one of the oldest teams can like that has been running this whole time. I don't think anyone wants to see them. Like even if you're not a fan of Williams, like you you don't want to see any team at all disappear for one, um, but to have a team that has so much history in the sport, like you don't want to see them leave either. Like that's that would be detrimental. And I think it would, they just have so much history.
0: It would reflect badly upon the sport that that would be allowed to happen.
3: Um, oh, yeah, I agree. If, Absolutely. If it like, if it
0: like, like, were entirely used to mismanagement, then there'd be sort of uh, a leeway to that. But the fact that they're being edged out because development costs have risen so much and the rule box becomes so technical the cars are so highly developed that you really can't perform at the front unless you have that manufacturer
3: money behind you yeah i wonder if the new regs will allow them to be more competitive or if it'll fix things or if it'll continue to be the way it is
0: i know that liberty have said that their, their goals for the for the regulation development, and that's what Ross Brown is driving on their side, have been to sort of equalize and lower costs gradually over time. So maybe this is the, the step in the right direction. I haven't looked at the, the regs. I know they are released maybe today, were they? Um, for 2020?
1: That's, uh, yeah, I would yeah. have seen um, they're up on the FIA website, so I haven't gone through them. Don't really know yeah. too much
3: about it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I feel like every sporting I feel like every motorsport says, oh, well, next year's cars, we're going to try to reduce costs. But, you know, everyone knows the top teams finds a way to <laughs> spend more and more and then everyone else is just trying to keep up. So I hope that that's the case. I hope that they are, you know, competitive rules that aren't as expensive for people to run. But
0: I, I mean, we, we've we seen we've seen steps like this before. If you remember um, mid early mid 90s, 1993, those 1993 F1 cars were really highly developed. They had all sort of active suspension, four-wheel steering, <laughs> movable Williams aero, being dominant. <laughs> and Williams were absolutely dominant. Uh, they had absolutely. the right engine, the right chassis, with the right engineers and the right drivers. Um yep. And 1994, they came along and they changed the regs. They took away all of that. They tried to make it simpler, and the sport was equalized. And you know, maybe it's time for for another shift in that respect to see another seismic shift. It comes along once oh, every twenty Ross. years or so.
1: Ross Braun has said that they have a CAD design of an F1 car that's approximately the same speed that the car behind only loses 5% of drag. In the current situation is cars behind lose about 50% drag when they're following a car. Mm. So even maybe not saying it's going to even the playing field, that's not going to change anything, but at least when you're, that formula 1.5 if you're stuck behind one of the red bulls or you know a red bull to the ferrari or vice versa it it creates more opportunity for passes which could lead to better results which lead to more money it's more of a long-term evolution i'm not sure that that helps immediately but that could be something that really helps grow the sport parity wise
0: yep i agree with that um yeah. I hope this is the case. Um, we hang on, we've drifted off topic. I will I will put that out. <laughs> um, we're meant to be doing the news, and this is F one history, and this has been very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back to Azerbaijan. Um, so Mercedes 1-2, as I believe you both predicted. Um, I was sort yep. of uh, hoping against hope that Ferrari would get their act together. Which more uh, look
3: at the record show that I called the winner. Did you? Well done you,
0: Mr. <laughs> Smug. Um, yeah, so Bottas took the win. Uh, he took the pole, he led away, he fought off Hamilton in the first corner and then controlled the race from there. Do you think it was as convincing as the end of the result showed?
3: I mean, that first lap, first of all, it was fantastic. The yep. two wide through a few corners and then Bottas <laughs> just, like, disappeared into the distance. I thought that was amazing. Like, it's I I don't dislike Lewis, but it's always good to see Botas succeed and do well. And when he pulls like a two second gap on the first lap, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I like to He's see the, the underdog
1: gaps on both his wins. Yeah,
0: that's I like to see
3: the underdog succeed.
0: That's it. so I I'm I'm going to take a slightly opposite view there. Uh, I think Lewis was was far too polite to him on lap one. I'm going to be honest. If that were Vettel, Leclerc, Verstappen, he'd have been alongside Mm. to turn to, and he'd have been taking the lead. Um, I think he is driving very sensibly. I think he's driving with respect to his team and his teammate, but I think he could have been a lot more aggressive on lap one. Um, I think uh,
1: he... Should have?
3: Should have. Yeah, he's a racing driver. He should want to win. Um, I think Lewis is driving for points. I I think that That move into turn one and turn two, he showed his nose. Bottas, like he, he, like you know, maybe maybe he puts it inside and says, "Hey, maybe he'll be easy on me and let me go." And he doesn't. And maybe he's driving for points. Maybe he knows that wrecking his teammate out or pushing too hard isn't worth it. I mean, both especially with the the possibility that Bottas
1: is just faster at you know this race, that he's just straight up better during that first lap on cold tires, on a brand yeah. new start. Maybe he's just, you know what? I have my crap together right now. I'm going to push super hard. And not saying over the course of a season, but, you know, I think that's a little bit disrespectful to Bottas. Just be like, oh, he's playing it simple. He's playing for points.
3: No, but, no, no. I mean, I'm saying I'm saying Lewis is driving for points. Right, that's but, what that's, it means. but that's
0: disrespectful to Valtteri, right? If, if Valtteri's Correct. trying his absolute best, you think, yeah, yeah Lewis could have beaten him. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily agree that Lewis is driving for points. I just think he's showing Bottas more respect than he would show anybody else. Maybe that's the right thing to do for a teammate, but twi- I, Lewis circa 2007 versus Alonso would have been ahead on the first lap. Oh, yeah. And if, if he was better. He would have been ahead on the first lap in those cars with those drivers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I still think that's just disrespectful. To <laughs> like, it's fully discounting the fact that he is still an amazing driver. I don't think he's the best driver on the grid, but you know, every dog has its day and he is insanely talented. And so yeah, I'm gonna go with you is better on that day than
3: Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Mm. If it was Nico, if it was Nico, both cars would have been smoldering piles. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> of the, there's always Harvard. that argument that
0: could be made. If Nico would, were in their position, uh, neither Mercedes would have completed the opening lap. I'm going to be frank <laughs> yeah. about that.
3: Uh,
1: then, then your prediction would have been right.
0: Exactly. Uh, and then Verstappen mm-hmm. would have won. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I I, don't know. I think Bottas drove well. Lewis drove, managed the car. He actually made a mistake. I don't know if you guys caught that on like the penultimate lap coming out of the final corner. He ran wide. Just when he was really starting to apply the pressure to Bottas. And that's what killed his chances of getting a run on the final lap. Because yeah.
1: he did get it just under DRS range,
0: right? He was just in the zone. And then, and then that he, happened. He pushed very hard, ran wide, and...
1: So it, he wasn't good enough.
0: He wasn't. He made a mistake. <laughs> he made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, maybe he ran the race managing the tyres to that point to think, yeah, I'll be in, in with a shot in the final laps and then made a mistake. In which case, Bottas yeah. was the better driver.
3: But it was I, think a good just, I think Valtteri's just shown that he's... I think he just has certain tracks that he does well at. Like, every time you go to uh, Red Bull Ring, he always does well.
0: That's true. Uh, Russia, he's always very strong. Right, so maybe it's just... And he, he would have won. He would have won Azerbaijan last year if it
3: weren't for that, Right.
0: for the engine failure. Except, well, the puncture, sorry. Or the t- t- uh, yeah, the
3: tire failure. So um, I, I I'm not saying that Valtteri is the better driver. No, I don't. I definitely don't think it, that he's the better driver. Not over the course he, of
0: the season. <clears throat>
3: no, but I do. I I, I don't. Know, I I'm just happy to see him to get a to get a win and to do well because he's
0: definitely upped his game this the, the, for the first four races of this season. Like he's been right there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um,
3: yeah. You really
1: saw that in Australia when he was hyper motivated to get that fast lap
0: well i think that the weight regulations that now discount the driver separate from the car they that he can eat again the man the man has been let loose
1: oh yeah <laughs> you look at some of those guys uh, even especially hulkenberg he was rail skinny yeah it's like man he's, he's too big to be not eaten.
0: so speaking of hulkenberg mr rail skinny Oof. what's Oof. happened to Renault? i mean really It's not looking great for these guys.
1: I mean, they're a customer team to McLaren. I don't see what the (laughs) the deal is. They're just not as good as you. Now there's a hot take. (laughs) How bad do you have to feel if you are getting stomped by a customer?
0: And yeah, yeah, they're they're not going to be happy. And how good a Red Bull feeling, knowing they walked away from that engine, took the gamble, and are now significantly outperforming them.
3: Yeah, the move to Honda obviously has, so far at least, been the right decision.
2: Uh,
1: is it? Oh. I mean, Guess I'm not saying it's a up. bad decision, but people are hyping this up as, oh, it's such a great deal, it's such a great deal.
3: Max is still nowhere near the front. Okay, it, well, it, it, it it wasn't a a. it wasn't a step back. If they had stayed with the Renault, they would they would not be where they are. Right. Put it if, this way, I'll
1: agree that it's a step forward in terms of reliability, which is a shocker for Honda. But in performance, yeah. I mean maybe a micro step forward.
0: But I think yeah. I think what's important what's important for the Honda versus Renault argument is that they're now the Honda factory team, right? They have the hundred yeah. percent support of that team, and historically Honda and Motorsport, they get the job done eventually. It takes a little and while, but they'll do it.
1: And I do think it's good that both Renault and Red Bull moved on in McLaren and Honda because both of those relationships were so toxic.
0: Well, they're um, still they're still sniping each other today actually. Renault and Red Bull are still uh, still angry.
1: <laughs> yeah, well Adrian Newey came out and said he wasn't a fan of how Red Bull acted, how that they tried to create public pressure on uh, Renault and it didn't work. And the talks became less, they became more blame games back and forth, and just retrospectively, that was not a good idea is what he was saying. So, so
0: he, f- he was saying that, that the Red Bull rhetoric was like an attempt to generate competition.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, try to inspire Hey, you got to get your crap together and hope that they, you know, rally the troops and
0: well, it's get because some they're stuff. French. If I, if I know anything about the French, they don't respond well to that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's because they're that's French. Wh- that's well, why. That's why the British have been at war with them for a thousand years. You
1: know, the Austrians yeah. didn't get that memo, so
0: no, and it didn't work. Um, but Renault itself—I mean, this is a factory team. They've got the personnel. At least they—they've they've shown they have they've been hiring well they they hired ricardo to lead the team and they just haven't been doing the job is the car wrong is the drivers wrong i think they have one of the stronger pairings on the grid personally
3: so i think is- i think on paper they're good I, I danny just seems to be struggling in that car and i think he's overdriving it a little um I don't know, like that super awkward pass that he tried to make <laughs> and then back- backed into the... Reversed into Kivyat. Yeah, yeah, into the Kvyat, which is... The irony of that is <laughs> I mean, beautiful. That's, it, it was, there was a
0: certain <laughs> amount of karma from that, perhaps, to, uh, to yeah. Danny Kiv, but... Uh...
3: I don't know, I kind of feel like Danny's the, overdriving the car.
1: The yeah. Formula 2 car that overran it. And tried to take a three-point turn in the run and couldn't <laughs> accomplish that. Like, it was an Austin awesome Powers moment. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to see Ricardo do that after he backed into it, yeah, <laughs> just to like complete the meme of just terrible. You know, you you caused that whole issue. You back into a car. Let you know, screw it. Let's do Austin Powers and then burn out the whole way to the pit lane. But yeah, no, that was pretty embarrassing.
3: For sure yeah Um, and where and where's hulk i feel like he is not doing i mean he's there or
0: thereabouts but neither of them really performed in azerbaijan uh they were running strongly in bahrain they could have been double points there if they hadn't had that reliability issue
3: yeah which is
0: weird weird failure um but i think so
1: close have you ever seen two cars fail so close together
3: Ah, uh, I'm racking my brains now. <laughs> other than so they
1: get off the trailer, but... <laughs> Mazda.
3: Mazda Daytona. Mazda at Daytona. F- <laughs> uh, both, let's explore that a little on...
0: bit more, shall we, Fulcet?
3: <laughs> both caught on fire within five minutes of each other. <laughs> it was a glorious <laughs> so, day. I'm a big Mazda has... fan, and that was very painful. <laughs> <laughs> we know Renault has a lot of
1: issues with their MGU-K, and... I mean, they're going to be taking penalties, both Renault and McLaren moving forward.
0: Yep. So that's true.
1: if they're going to be doing that, they're going to have to fight their way through the racing points. Eh, you know, they have their tracks, but for the most part, not a big deal. Toro Rosso, which can be good, and sometimes they're just meh, nah. but then the Haas, which whatever, do you see them coming back if they consistently have to drive from the back of the pack or pit lane?
3: Uh, no, I don't. I really don't. I think maybe they they take this as a... I hate, it's such a cliche, but maybe they take it as a rebuilding year. Just say, hey, let's work on maybe next year's car or try to develop what we can for next year. Because the just big say, regs are
1: going to be in 2021, right? Yeah. That's the uh, big rig changer that everyone's been at least hoping for and talking about. I think that's
0: what the big one comes yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: so at what point, if you're these factory teams or McLaren or Red Bull that you say... 2019 to wash 2020 you know we're just do mediocre we're going guns a for 2021 because look at mercedes right they jumped the gun on development for the turbo hybrid for era. for the hybrid and, era, yeah and they we all have know how that's been, turned out
3: you know <laughs> seems to be okay so far i think yeah. it's i think no. maybe i think you give it maybe one or two races if you're if you're Renault and see how it pans out but
1: because I just feel like Renault half-assed can still probably outperform Sauber and Racing Point.
0: But that shouldn't yeah. be what they're what they're aspiring to. This is a factory team no. of a country, pretty much. Like, yeah, these guys I mean, they should, be should be pushing
3: be, every single race. They should be back to the point of winning world championships with Fernando Alonso. You know, like they need to be. <laughs> they, like they're that caliber of a team. They can. So be. That's what they I'm can, be. Is should they half-ass these next couple years?
1: to try to get to the point that I, I don't they think, knock I, it out of the park. I don't,
0: think, I don't think they should have to half-ass these mm-hmm. to even then knock it out of the park. They shouldn't have to. They should be able to develop a car for the new regs while simultaneously putting a lot of effort into their current season. There should be no I mean, excuse Renault, for
3: this. Renault, the car company, is not a small company. I feel like they have the resources to develop, like, a decent Formula One I'm car. I'm not trying to argue that they I should.
1: I Well, they're in a situation where it isn't working. So are you going to chase the tail in front of you as long as you can? Or are you actually going to play the long game? I think if I was them, I would just say, screw it. You know, we're going for 2021 the minute that the regulations are announced and are not really pushing will be better than half the field anyways, because Williams isn't going to be anywhere uh, Red Bull, Light's not going to be anywhere Haas, man, I don't know So yeah, that's the way I'd go if I was Renault
3: But they also have a commitment, I think, to Danny And like he came over With the idea that he would be Competitive and fast And so I think It's hard for them to say Hey, I'm sorry, we're going to try And focus on two years from now and as a racing driver when you leave a competitive team and you go to a less competitive team and then they say hey we're not going to be competitive for another two years that's not he, he, exactly he, he to motivating no.
1: but it's not like Ricardo's lighting 1.5 on fire he's barely I mean he really hasn't been memorable this year
0: not been memorable he's still in the car he's overdriving as we said but he's been outperforming Hulk for the most on average so far only four races you season. would we expect can't really that for that. someone
1: that has solid aspirations to win
0: you could but Hulk's also a world class driver I, I'm a great fan of his personally like everyone yep. always jokes about the fact he's never been on the podium he's been dragging cars way up the order where they shouldn't be for a number of seasons now like he is yeah I
3: really I think that too I definitely think that Hulkenberg is underrated
0: he's outperformed for sure I think all of his teammates, yeah, and you know, if Riccardo has come in and started for him already in a car that he doesn't really know, he's. I don't think that's a slight on Danny Ricardo. I think that's no. that's where the car deserves to so be.
1: Even if you don't, if we don't go teammate to teammate, they're not stomping McLarens or
0: because the car isn't good enough. It's yeah. it's not there. It's not on the driver at that point.
3: I, I mean, the McLarens are obviously doing better than they are with the same engine. Well, that's so that's, it, the, that's, yeah,
0: that's the Fernando Alonso effect. You know, every team right. he leaves eventually wins. Even
1: though they're getting <laughs> lots of DNFs, and we covered China already, so we don't need to do that again. McLaren's no. fourth.
0: Yeah, they're there, Dang. and they had double points, and Science is driving well. Norris has come right in there.
3: Uh, yeah. so plug for iRacing as well.
1: They look oh. to be a threat to double point
3: from here on out. I agree. Yeah, um, Which, as much as I dislike Lando... It's really, really good to see the McLaren's. Tell us why you dislike Lando, Andrew. Because he's well, he's just uh he's uh I well, I've gonna send him this episode <laughs> anyway, so he he
0: will hear this.
1: <laughs> That's why I love him, man. I don't want him to flip off the
3: crowd while he's driving by, you know?
0: I think he's awesome. He would never wreck I someone you- intentionally in a computer simulation. I
3: agree. Oh, absolutely not. He's, he's just very... Dis- he just thrives with dis- a lot of disrespect <laughs> in the sim. Um, and to him, like it's just like... A, well, it's just a game, you know. Which, it is just a game. But- this is super
0: serious business. <laughs>
3: It is super serious, but he just drives like a twat. That's just the, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say, and uh, he's very cocky, which you have to be, I guess, as a racing driver. I just don't maybe, like him. Maybe not. I, love I just I just don't <laughs> like him at all. I think that he's just like arrogant. And I hope Daniel he Ricardo is like my like golden standard of a driver. I agree. Like that. That's that's what I look forward to, look for in a racing driver: quick, funny, entertaining. Everyone loves not him. Not a twat. Not a twat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um. but, but not to say that there are there are <laughs> twats that I I liked. Like Ayrton um, Senna was not exactly what you would call, uh, you know, the most loved racing driver no. by his peers, but he was he was someone quick. special. Yeah. So. It, I just, I'm, I'm just biased against, like... <laughs> <laughs> Fair anyway, enough. next, moving on. Fair enough,
0: final, uh, we're going to move on from the news because this is, this is taking up a lot of time because let it discuss, it's an interesting sport. Um, but Ferrari, final word on Ferrari. We thought they were going to have a competitive car, they're long straights, so everyone said their engine's the best, they've had decent race pace, and once again, they were nowhere. Now, Leclerc had this, actually, this accident in Q2, he said he could probably have been on pole, given the way his practice had gone. Maybe he could have, but we'll never know, because he made a mistake. And that's the way motor racing goes. It's, it's, it's a sport of fine margins, and he made a mistake, and it cost him the chance of a good result.
1: I have a conspiracy theory. Go on. Okay, so... Vettel was only 11.8 seconds behind the uh, bodice last race, right?
0: At the end of the race
1: at the end of the race. That's the finish. Okay. So, we know Lewis was close. Yep. Okay. So, Mercedes is intentionally putting it on like engine mode 30, fuel save, just to keep Ferrari close enough that it's interesting.
0: Now, is and that we, is that interesting for the viewer or interesting that Ferrari think they've almost cracked it?
1: Because Mercedes is about to open a sandbag company. <laughs> they're transferring out of cars into sandbags and they will literally, at the end of the race in Abu Dhabi, have all of the sandbags in the entire world taken off.
0: They'll turn it up to 11.
1: Will, yeah, they'll lap them on like lap three or whatever. I, no, I don't think, I don't think Ferrari's good. Um, I think everyone overrated them. Uh, no, when I say I don't think they're good, let me rephrase that. I don't think that they are clearly the best car.
0: Which is what I everyone think... thought prior to the start of the season due to testing yeah. for.
1: Right. I think that Mercedes is clearly the most well rounded car and better than the Ferrari at just barely a majority
0: of the tracks. Yep. Well, so far we've seen that to be true. Mm-hmm. But also Ferrari are very much their own worst enemy at the moment. I think they're overthinking their strategies, I think. They keep shooting. The drivers are overdriving them. the car. Because they had the weight of expectation that they thought they were going to be right up there, and they haven't been so far. Whereas Mercedes just come along, they won these titles, they know exactly how to execute a weekend, and they just do it. Why can't Ferrari do the same? I don't know. I mean, we saw
1: Italy in World War Two; they couldn't do anything. So <laughs> I feel like
0: I went back to know. national stereotypes. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I feel like you, they've had so much turnover, and they had a they've had this struggle for a long time and they don't know where to start fresh and don't know where to keep tradition going and yeah. it's causing issues right at what point do you fire everyone and say strategically we're coming in with a brand new everything because we haven't got it together in how many years
0: ever since russ braun left i think yeah. so they have, to have an englishman to...
1: There's got to be a full top-down restructuring or they've got to double down on something, but we've talked about they can't be retroactive to Red Bull and they have to act like the best and they just don't. They honestly act like a Formula 2 team.
0: Wow. That's a damning indictment there. Um, I can't argue with though.
3: I, I feel like Seb is kind of not driving to the standard at which he should. I think he and i don't know is that I've never the car him, you know that yeah no it's the I, driver i i i think that i don't want to say he's like done but i don't think that he's shown <laughs> i don't think he's shown the seniority and the the driving talent that he needs to have by this point in the season i think that he's just it's kind of been a very underwhelming season especially with what we know he's possible like what he's capable of doing i just think it's very underwhelming and i don't think that we can expect charles to be the uber quick super wonderkind like right out of the box you know yeah but i think maybe uh, I mean, by the end of this maybe by the end of the season we can have him I, I still think he's got to get his legs underneath him
0: he has and he's looked really good so far let's let's be honest he's been faster than seb three out of the four races
3: yeah and i, I think that for a brand new driver that's as young as he is I think that that's a good start you know I, I, it it's difficult to come into that particular team and then just start winning races and just start dominating so I think that it is the pressure of the expectation to, is phenomenal you have high. to keep you have to keep the expectations for Charles like reasonable that being said I don't think Seb has been where he needs to be like I think that Charles has been, like, leading that team. Like, he's been the one that's really kind of, in my mind, I think he's the one that's keeping things together. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I sh- shades, step of,
0: uh, shades of Red Bull when Ricciardo came in alongside Vettel. Yeah. And they started to build the team around Danny Rick rather than Seb, and Seb ran away. Uh, yep. Let's see what happens as the season goes on, frankly.
3: I just think Seb needs to step up. I think he uh, needs to. I agree. Pick- he he needs to drive it forward, not just as
0: a driver, but also as as a team leader. He needs to. Schumacher was yeah. in all the engineering debriefs. He was in the engineering meetings. He was of, always conversing with engineers, with his designers, with his technical staff.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. Seb was the one that found the loophole for the safety car. He's the one that most drivers talk about. Knows the regs front to back better than other drivers. I just he's just, he's just like, a nerd, then. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I, I, just feel, I feel like it's the team letting both drivers down, to be honest. And it's a little bit of the constant, this is our year Ferrari, and a little bit of everything that we've talked about. And it's got to be a drag when you are a superstar four-time champion. You're supposed to do super amazing. You go out there and you're like, crap, we're faster in yep. qualifying, but now these Mercs are, you know, they're better.
3: Yeah. He's got to
0: do more, I think, ultimately. That's the conclusion. Yeah. Um, Alright, yep. so that's the news. Um, Azerbaijan, Grand Prix done and dusted. We're off to Spain in two weeks' time, is that correct? Uh, I so. That yes, I think so. The so, of May. that'll be uh, another Mercedes one too, we assume.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I will take yeah. I'll take Lewis in a landslide. He's done very well there. I'll take Bottas, you know, let's say 15 seconds behind, and whichever Ferrari doesn't mess mess up will be third. You
3: know, 10 to 20 seconds behind that. Well, you heard it, here, think, heard it here, folks. Yeah, Confucius I think called uh, the race. <laughs> I think Mercedes one two has got to be the call. I think this is my spicy take. I think McLaren is going to be uh, all right. Top. Top five. Top anyway, five, top five I McLaren. Okay. I was going to say podium. So I, gonna say, I was going to say podium, but that's, just, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like way too. That, that's a bold t- call. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say McLaren top five. I'm going to say there's going to be a big first lap schmazzle, and yep. McLaren's going to come through and finish top five. All right. All right. Well, we shall I'll, see. And I I'll, think I'll it'll, be it'll be Lando. It'll be Lando.
1: My bold call is Gastly beats Verstappen for the first time.
0: I really like that. I like that. Oh,
1: I okay. felt like his long pace was really good I don't think he's the best One lapper And I don't think his qualifying will ever Match up well against Verstappen And he will always be judged a little bit Because of that But he's got a little bit of the Jensen button Saved the tires, put in the long runs And I'm not saying he's better than Verstappen at all But I am saying I'm going to make a random guess That this is going to be his race He's going to pull through And he is going to be the lead Red Bull
0: All but- right all right, we shall see. And um, moving on, uh, thank you for the news, gentlemen. Um, so, last episode, our pilot episode, we talked about a little bit about Team Who Jazz. This is who we are. This is who's putting on this podcast, and uh, origins in iRacing and I racing and transition to the real world of racing, which is in a series called Champ Car. We touched on that very briefly. Um, this is this episode we wanted to look at that slightly more detail to explain to our listeners what Champ Car does, how we've been involved with them, and why, frankly. People should look at this as, as a really great way, if they're interested in going racing, to get on track with affordable and generally enjoyable events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Force Fawcett's going to take us through Champ Car a little bit. Uh, what have you found yeah. out, Andrew? Uh,
3: so Champ Car, for those of you that are avid racing fans, is not the 90s open wheel <laughs> <middle laughs> series. Let's get that out of the way right now. Wait, <laughs> mean, not? It's not, that it's is, not no.
1: Yeah, we don't. No. We don't own a. <laughs> oh man, I was hoping to yeah. open a cart team. Sorry, dude. No,
3: yeah, With exactly. the best
0: one in the world, we don't fit in those cars. <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so Champ Car, formerly known as Chump Car, is a uh, budget endurance racing series. Um, a lot of people have heard of Chump Car, and when you say Champ Car, they think you're like wrong. But Champ Car has acquired the rights to the name Champ Car and everything. Um, it's a ba- it's basically it's it's a budget endurance racing series. You show up with a a cheaper car, um, as long as it has the safety requirements and and the drivers have the safety equipment that they need. You go and do races at tracks all over North America, um, and they're endurance races. So usually there's either two races in a weekend or maybe in the example of um, the VIR twenty four is a twenty four hour race. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's. It's an it's if if you've heard of um, twenty four hours of lemons, it's like the step up from twenty four hours of lemons. Whereas <laughs> lemons has like silly rules and the cars are you know big jokes and they have like crazy stuff on them. Champ car in general, with a few exceptions, is a little more serious. Um, There's a bit more uh, of
0: focus on uh, on racing rather than on s- yeah on seamless. actual racing.
3: Right on actual racing, but um, as far as the series go, it is probably the best way and the 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 most budget focused way of getting on track door-to-door racing experience um it's very affordable you can there's a lot of well okay (laughs) comparatively it's comparative like In the grand scheme of (laughs) motorsports, it's it's on the cheaper side, especially, I'm not saying if you own a team, which Tom obviously is part owner and huge ass, but what I'm saying is if you are just a driver and you want to rent seat time, it is probably the best way to get on-track experience um, at a discounted rate. You can get there's a number of teams that rent out seat time um and it goes to some really like the best racetracks in north america road atlanta vir daytona uh road road atlanta did i say road america road it atlanta, goes to both road america yeah road atlanta, road atlanta road road atlanta Am- Amer- yeah well I, I was trying not to say the same <laughs> it's not thing that twice. great but yes, basically if you can think of if you can think of uh, a, a famous racetrack in North America, Champ Car goes there, especially yep. this year, where they're going to Indy, which is really cool. So it gives what you a chance a... to race door to door for a relatively Palace cheap park. It's lot. not. It's not. No, <laughs> it does not race at Caesar's So Formula One says race there once. Okay. It raced there once. Yes. So they have raced there.
0: 1981 was it? I'm yes. Getting that name out of that date out of my uh, <laughs> trivia knowledge.
3: They don't race street circuits, obviously. But it's it's uh, it's
0: they did once do a Long Beach race. Did they really? Yeah. Huh.
3: Don't so worry you now.
0: I want that but, to be brought back, frankly. But that's a discussion for another day.
3: <laughs> but yeah, it's um it's a very cool thing. The they have a pretty cohesive uh, rule book, so that cars in general are pretty uh, competitive. Um, cars are assigned point values based on how new they are, how fast they are, which you know they are assigned... So point values um and that uh, correlates to where you start on the grid and what class you're in and all that kind of thing um and the rule book from at least from my experience the the couple of races that i've been and what i've seen seems pretty good at um leveling the playing field to extent and making it so that you can be competitive with not having to spend like a bunch of money building like an uber super race car um and overall, it's it's a pretty cool uh, organization. I think that they do a pretty good job running races, and they do races pretty much all year long. I mean, I think they start in February and go to October, maybe, or even later in that. But for, um, no, the, the the last races Se- in December. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. They do it, and they, they end up in, in Sebring, Sebring uh, the New Year.
0: Um,
2: yeah. it's pretty much all oh, season yeah. long.
3: Yeah, so, it's, but it's 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 a really cool series, um, and it's. For better or for worse, it's very beginner friendly. So if you're a driver that might not have any real track experience, um, yep, as they... long as you find a team that is willing to allow you to drive their car, you can go out there and um, race wheel to wheel, which some other series don't do, um, nope. and it lends it lends itself to interesting on-track experiences. It does. Um, but that's just kind of part of the, the charm of
0: everyone has, car. Everyone has to start somewhere, right? And it's really difficult, speaking as someone with the experience of of tracking cars in in America and the UK, it's very difficult and expensive to get proper track experience in this country. And what Champ Car does, it fills a gap in the market that enables people who are interested in motorsport, who have the ability and the passion to really invest themselves in this project, to get wheel to wheel racing experience yeah. for a very reasonable
3: price. And, and I don't I don't think there's a way that you could go wheel to wheel racing for much cheaper. I really don't. If you're just a driver. I was Maybe talking not to as the owner, but I was talking to
1: some of the global Miata racers, people looking to, to get into that and they're talking about nearly 10k per weekend and that's for a 45 yep. minute race.
0: Yeah. Yep. Whereas your car yeah. is
3: insanely yeah. cost like as a driver, yeah. you could sp- you could spend anywhere from you know six to a thousand dollars, six hundred to a thousand dollars, and have two hours in a fully prepped race. Right, pod. that's the thing. As well, wheel to wheel racing.
0: Like those, those Spec Miata weekends. That's what forty-five minutes on track. I weekend? think so,
3: and it might be forty-five minutes. They might a do, day, but still, I think they right. do. So I maybe for Spec Miata. At least they do two races a weekend. Or so so
0: like let's that. be generous. To call it two hours on track maximum. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're doing twenty hours on IMS at, at, yep. at Indianapolis. Yep, each driver is going to get two hours per stint. So most drivers are going to get four hours of track time for not much money at one of the finest, most iconic racing venues in the world. Like that's pretty cool, wherever you're coming from.
3: Right, and they can unironically say, "I raced at in Indianapolis," you know, like it, which is cool. I mean, oh. I know some people discount the, you know, Indianapolis's. Uh, it's not, More, I mean, uh, it's not, if you will. It's not like we're competing in the Indy 500
0: it, It's not. And it's not like we're also, we're not driving one of the most challenging race circuits in the world. It's, right, it's, right, right. It's not the Nürburgring, yeah. it's not Spa. Yeah. But it but is an not, iconic venue. It's, it's right. the equivalent of pe- playing golf at, at Pebble Beach, I guess, or yeah. at Augusta, or right. playing tennis at Wimbledon. It's, but it's I think that's, that sort of thing. We're driving but, a car but, uh, at Indy. That's cool. Yeah.
3: That's not what like in is not about. It's not about trying to be like the biggest greatest racing driver. Like if you want to be like racing super competitive guys, then you can go race the other series it's right. Available. If if
0: you want to yeah. be a professional, you can go and race yeah. Spec Miata and spend 10,000 yeah. a weekend. That's yeah. that's your problem. But tip. it's
3: but it's 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 budget focused endurance racing and um, I think it's 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 a really cool organization um, and the general environment around the paddock is really cool during race weekends Um, everyone
0: everyone helps out
3: Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of which is really cool you know you'll see a lot of people like helping each other out especially since and maybe I'm biased because we're we have a Miata but like a lot of the Miata guys are like oh you need a part or you need this or that like they'll lend a hand or even if they don't have a miata like you know if for some reason you need to pull your motor and some guy has an engine hoist he'll lend it to you you know so yeah. the the general feeling too about the paddock is that it's very friendly and everyone's just there to have fun and and
0: i mean we always have a blast um, we've done yeah. four events now uh we're doing three this year so it'll be seven at the end of the year god willing and yeah. we've had a blast every single one we've done it's been great and you guys i hope you've enjoyed it as well
3: yeah, I mean, just as like a, just as being someone on the crew, like it's, it's kind of surreal almost. But it's it's, it's fun being a race fan my whole life, and then going and standing on the pit lane of Watkins Glen, which is where I've watched a ton of races on NASCAR weekends, and then to go and stand on pit lane and like, run over the wall and, <laughs> you know, yeah. work on a race car. Uh, like it's uh, it's very cool it's a
1: very cool thing it, surreal was such a great way to describe it that was my first champ car race yes and it was that was up in watkins Glen. i drove 11, mine 11 well, actually yeah yeah i drove 11 hours up there <laughs> to the middle of the woods and you come out of the woods and there's these giant grandstands and you're like yeah. oh wow i made it and yeah. you pull in just like the inclusive thing that you're talking about as soon as i pull in There's four people that I've never met in real life hopping out of their tents to help me set up a tent because it's 11 p.m. (laughs) First thing I do, I get out of the car. Fawcett's there ripping stuff out of my car to set up the tent. Evan Merrill's out there grabbing me a beer like, hey, man, oh, we're so glad you're here. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. It's
1: the huge ass spirit. (laughs) It really is. But that kind of entails not just huge ass but champ car in general. There's so many really good personalities and really good people that are there to It's for this common goal, right? They love racing, they love everything about it, and it just, it feels so good. When I went camping, fell asleep under the rain, and when I woke up to (laughs) race car noises, man, that was it really was one of the coolest experiences I've had in quite a while.
0: We we wondered where
1: you were that morning. (laughs) I, well, I left everything all over the track, (laughs) all over the infield, and I wondered where everything was, and so I kind of had the, the walk of shame that some college girls might have when, you know, <laughs> they spend a little bit too much time out, and that was kind of my, that was my morning on, on Sunday. Yeah. And we thank you but, for
0: being there.
3: But it, it, it it's a very cool environment, and I have had lots of conversations with people I've never met in the paddock, and, and um, the 24-hour race for me was, like, really fun, too, because uh, I've done a handful of 24 hour races in iRacing um, and just finishing the race feels like an accomplishment but like when our little car crossed the start finish line (laughs) I didn't even drive the stupid thing and I was like in tears because it was like it's this big moment where you drove your stupid car for 24 hours you're sleep deprived but like it gives you that genuine feeling of accomplishing something and you did it with your friends and it's just a very cool environment it's it's a really cool thing i'm glad that i get to help out with it and um yeah i think that's a pretty solid explanation of what and that's all before me or you
1: even drove for the series so yeah that's my hopefully by the end of the year and
3: that's just like the next step up right I mean, I didn't even drive the stupid thing, and I saw it crossing the finish line. and I was like <laughs> cheering real loud, like super excited. I was a little bit nervous.
1: Tom was in the car, and he was getting kind of close to that wall. And I was like, uh, "Tom might—this might be his chance to take everyone out." I don't
0: know. <laughs> I, I saw you all leaning over the wall at the end of the race at Watkins, and I thought, "I can slap Whoa. him with my mirror." This would make and, for really good footage.
3: And I would—I want to say too—that it is genuine. It is genuine like close racing I remember at Watkins Glen Tom was in the car finishing was that the second day or first day it was the
0: second day it was in the rain I remember it well yeah.
3: <laughs> it was in the rain the the guys behind us were like catching us it was like a half hour in the race to go you yeah know, it was it was, like, it was a real genuinely, motor race it was a like it was it was like shades of top gear where it was <laughs> it was like they did the rally cross thing you know yep. and they're like this is genuinely exciting road racing, and James May is in it. That was exactly like it. It was like this is genuinely <laughs> exciting road racing, and my friend Tom is in the car. And like I've we're
0: seen, act- I've seen him crash things in the sim.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, but but it was cool. Like it's like we're actually racing. Like this. No, is it, a real I I
0: remember in- it. I remember it yes. well because uh, right. it's like a, a greasy track. It was drying. I'm I, I was pushing pretty hard. I will say that. Um, we, were the hardest, watching the we were watching the times and come
3: in. Yeah, watching the We Every time I would come, every
0: time I would come past the pits, I across to the where the pit stall was <laughs> and i could just see andrew jumping up and down waving and pointing to where the tracks yeah i know what more can i do
3: <laughs> press the gas pedal harder well the radio doesn't work the radio didn't work super well so like you know nope. you say on the radio hey the guy behind you is you know 10 seconds behind he's doing these lap times <laughs> you're not sure if you're hearing it so no. you're just like freaking out like but then like you start you start seeing the lap times coming you're like okay he knows he's being caught like he knows he's he's got to pick up the pace and like yeah and it, it happens just yeah it, it, the yeah, track
1: it's... was drying everyone's times was coming down yeah. and man it, it was really really exciting.
0: It um, was fun. It was it, great. The fun.
1: other thing that champ car really is different from a lot of different series like global miata and stuff is there's not 10 cars on track there's not 15 20 cars on track. What yeah. was what was the grid size for Watkins Glen do you remember? Watkins
0: was 85 I think started
1: 5 yeah. cars on a about right. 3 mile course.
0: There's always someone to race, let's put it that way. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's busy out there. Now that's you can argue that's a good or a bad thing. You tend to see, you know, maybe you'll get some issues if but generally people are very respectful around traffic. Yeah. Um, because there is a quite large speed disparity in the cars out there. Some of the top teams are, call it 15, mm-hmm. 20 seconds a lap faster than the slower cars around in a, in a two-and-a-half-minute lap time. Yeah.
1: You That's interesting event, every yeah. event, right, Tom?
0: I've driven every event, yes.
1: Has there ever been a time where you're just by yourself for extended periods of time?
0: Uh, yes, and that time, I remember it very clearly, was in 2017 at VIR in the rain.
1: So and that's a unique situation. It was a very unique
0: situation, and that's why I remember it. It's because it, it did actually strike me as being very, very odd that there wasn't a car within, let's call it, 10 car lengths of me front or back. Yeah. Um. Due to the weather, people were in the pits, taking it slow, whatever, and it was a really strange experience. But yeah, generally, you're either being passed or you're passing somebody pretty much every lap. And mm-hmm. it focuses the mind, I can tell you that.
3: Yeah, there's a wide variety of... It, there, there's there's the whole gambit of, of teams, drivers, cars, whatever you want. You have guys that have never turned a wheel in anger before on a late racetrack. You have guys that are racing professionally in IMSA. Yep. <laughs> you have teams where they built their car in the garage and they showed up with a rental trailer. And you have teams that show up with big haulers. With the big rig there's, and three right. cars. So whatever level of racing skill or car building skill or whatever it is, there will always be someone to race there's always uh, someone to compete against yeah uh, which I think is, 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 is good to have.
0: Um, I, I, I you know we've, we've had a lot of ups and downs in our racing, but mm-hmm. I, I, there's been I don't think anywhere else available to us in the. US that would have given us the experiences that we've had and the excitement yeah. that we've had taking our team racing and that's something yeah. that we can be really thankful for.
3: Yep, absolutely.
0: So yeah, Champ Car is good. Um, so Car something else I wanted to uh, to bring up about Champ Car uh, is the sim series. Now, as you know, Team Hugh Jazz, we kind our started on iRacing and we became known in the Champ Car paddock as that team of computer guys that went racing. And we, ex- you know, iRacing has become more mainstream in that time. And speaking to a couple of the iRacing members. Uh, sorry, the Champ Car members, the the directors, they have there, uh, reached out to us beginning of last year, beginning of 2018, and asked if we would organize a sim series in Champ Car's name that would put on a sort of a year-long calendar simulating the Champ Car season at the races that are modeled in iRacing, and we would get ready to get ready to go, and we did, and it's been a lot of fun. We have the sim series, we have. Races every um, Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. Every Wednesday. It used to be Thursday. Now it's Wednesday, and we compete, and we attract some decent field size. Both of people who have never raced in Champ Car, people who have raced in Champ Car, and people who have uh, been very quick in iRacing and yeah. want to race in Champ Car. It's,
3: it's it kind of goes back, much, back to that. Yeah, it's it's very much like Champ Car. Like it's the same thing. You got guys that have never sim raced in their life and you got guys that have been doing it forever and you have people that are super competitive and super people are less competitive but there's always someone to race um and i think that it's definitely a champ car series like it's exactly what champ car is which is a very cool thing
0: i agree and it's it's been interesting to see it develop um this is now that we're in I think uh, we just had six rounds of the 2019 season. Would that be correct? Um, Correct,
3: yes. Yes.
0: And we've seen it grow, even from 2018. I think 2018 we were averaging... It wasn't great, like, call it between 14 and 18 cars per per race, do you think?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Um,
0: And this season we've had upwards of 20 each race.
1: (laughs) For sure. It's growing. And it's it's really unique in the sense of a lot of these are people that are actually practicing for the race that they might do. Maybe not all of them, maybe eventually or whatever, but you're a prime example of someone that has spent time in essentially what's champ car sim series, right? Practicing the Miata on that track. And you've translated that to the real world. And everyone in the series is aiming for that goal. Not saying everyone's going to race every race in real life, But Mm -hmm. if you ever go to any of these tracks, you've spent extended time with other champ car racers, practicing against them, racing
3: against them. And it's it's more than just hot lapping, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's training
1: you, decision-making in cars that are just like champ car in real life, plus drivers that have the same mindset. Mm -hmm. It's not some online lobby where people show up and have no interest whatsoever. It's people that are like-minded, focused towards the same goal that you're kind of battling against. And it's pretty unique in that sense. I don't know anything else that's kind of like
3: that.
0: I agree. And
1: And the other
3: cool thing I would say about the Champ Car Sim series is that Champ Car, the organization, has put up some really great prizes, which is... The prizes, I will be honest, are super generous of them. So they give away basically there are two um divisions there's an atlantic division or east coast division and there's a pacific division yep. um and for each division the winner of the championship gets a completely free entry into a champ car race which is like a two thousand dollar prize or something like
0: that? uh depending on the race, it's between let's call it between 1600 and 2200 which right. is but, it, hugely generous. but
3: right. And I've I've said this since the beginning of the sim series but ch- the the Champ Car series is like the most realistic uh, sim to reality quote unquote esports series realistic yeah. um, to reality right <laughs> What did I say sim to reality is that what I said No you sim said sim to reality you said right. realistic to reality which is oh, which okay. is very realistic had, <laughs> frankly Yeah I had a brain fart sim to reality <laughs> um, where it's reasonable to say that if you're quick enough that you could have zero racing experience on real life win the series enter a car or fund a car and go out racing in real yeah. life. And, and,
0: it, and it's important to note that the goal of those prizes, the super generous prizes, is to offer fast races who maybe don't have access to wheel-to-wheel racing the chance to get onto track so even if, even if you win the series you don't necessarily have a race car Champ Car will work with you, they'll find you a ride they'll find you a team, they'll get you set up They'll introduce yep. you to the right people, and they will make sure you get on track. And that's that's a really yeah. honourable goal, which and, I think
3: which I think is like, it really shows what Shapecar is about. It's what, it's, what it's, it's about, and that's yeah, why we're happy
0: but, to partner with them, frankly. Yeah. And we're very and happy I think that's, to, to work with it, them.
3: It just shows it shows what a cool organization they are, and and they want to see people racing, and they're doing what it takes to see people racing. It's yes. really hard awesome.
1: to get into real life racing sometimes, and. There, there's nowhere else that's offering a direct way to get on a racetrack from nothing yeah. I mean literally yeah. nothing You sure you have to compete in the series but you don't have to have a professional driver's license you don't have to own a race car you don't have to own safety gear anything mm-hmm. they're going to help guide you towards all of that and push you towards a team that is willing to take you
0: on yep, yep absolutely agree um, it's uh, we're very happy to be partnered with them, and we believe in their goal. Um, so, if you have any more questions about Champ Car, uh, we recommend having a look around. They have a website. It's uh, www.champcar.org. Www.champcar, and uh, they'll have all the information of the upcoming um, series, and there's a link to the forum there, which is where we uh, run the sim series from. So. And the Champ- forum is very active. Very the active. Forum is very active. It gives you a good idea yep. of you know what's going on at each race event often race reports from various teams that just got back and you'll get mm-hmm. you had a real sense of what it's like to be involved with the team effort
3: yep so if there's a racetrack near you chances are champ car races there absolutely
0: Yeah. so cool. champ car is good that's the end of this segment <laughs> that's the <laughs> takeaway champ car is good um, yes. so moving on to our final part of the podcast this uh, this time round uh, we're going to have another interview with one of our huge ass members and it's a very apposite guest tonight Um, it's Devin Peters. He raced with us in real life at our first twenty-four race at VIR. hailing from the frozen wastes of Canada. Devin, are you in the room with us? Yep.
1: Hey Devin, how are you doing tonight? Pretty
0: good. So Devin hails from uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, in Canada. uh, It's a real place It's a real place, it exists, (laughs) not just for Moose anymore. And he came down to VIR in twenty seventeen and I think now is also um, involved with the Champ Car effort from team in the local vicinity. So, Coffert uh, is going to take us through um, some questions for Devon, and we can see what he's up to at the moment. So,
1: Devin, go ahead and give us a quick introduction about yourself and your just racing experience prior to HJ.
2: Um, so, I think I probably have a story that's similar to a lot of the folks in HJ these days. Um, I uh, Started out as a kid playing Gran Turismo and Forza and enjoying that kind of entry into sim racing. My family did a little bit of drag racing, um, but none none when I was you know of an age to appreciate it. And um, and sort of that spawned an interest in cars. And uh, I got uh, got into iRacing racing after watching some empty box videos on the YouTubes. Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool idea and. A G27 later, and uh, I was doing some iRacing. racing. I got involved with the Reddit i racing league uh, and met the whole gang through there. Tom and uh, the rest of the folks that were kind of uh, OG members of Huge Ass, and um, yeah. And then when i racing introduced their their endurance racing feature, I uh, I got uh, I got the taste of it, and I was hooked. Um, and I've been getting more and more involved in virtual and real racing ever since.
1: So that transition from virtual to real racing. Your first race was the 2017 VIR race. How did how did that come to be? How did you decide to fly down to Virginia in the middle of the summer to race a car in the middle (laughs) of the night?
2: Yeah, it was a it was a bit of an adventure. I I had always wanted to do some real racing, but it always seemed kind of out of reach. Um, You know, I'm I'm a middle class guy. You know, pretty pretty run of the mill. And so the idea of having my own race car and going out. Driving on a real track, I mean, if you look at a map, there's there's no tracks within 700 kilometers of Regina, <laughs> so it's it's kind of a you know it kind of seemed like a pipe dream. But um, you know, i had been racing with Huge Ass for about a year. Uh, I want to say at that point, and I knew uh, I felt like I knew the guys pretty well. We were chatting pretty much every day, um, and so I decided, uh, what the heck, let's let's give this thing a shot. And so I showed up a few days early. Um, jumped in jumped into the garage with Alex right away. Shacked <laughs> the car up and down about seventeen times while we set ride height <laughs> for the first time. It's a great then, job. Oh super duper good. And then uh yeah, and then ended up with a track. And you know, uh despite the adverse weather we like we ran into out there, I mean I couldn't I couldn't say enough about how QGAS or sorry, how iRacing prepared me for my experiences with uh, at VIR. I mean I, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I believe it. Um, so now you are you're working with a champ car, or sorry, a champ car team that's much more local to you. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, so I uh, we did the 24 hours in Virginia um, and had a great time. Uh, tragically, blew uh, a rear differential uh, at the end, but had a great time. And uh, I got back to Regina and I said, "Man, this is I, this is really sweet. I really like this." Um, but man, I can't afford to fly out <laughs> every single time I want to go racing somewhere. It's, it's so, a big
0: ask. We admit that. Yeah.
2: Oh, and then seat time and all that on top of it. So I, I figured, um, figured I would see if there's anything I could get involved with lately, uh, or locally. So I, I went onto the champ car forums and they've got a little section called, uh, making connections or something like that. Um, yep. and I, I posted in there, I said, Hey, anyone know if there's anyone doing anything out on the prairies? Like. Not the U.S. ones, the the Canadian prairies, and I got some some messages, including one from uh, one of the owners of the team uh, that I work with now, which is uh, Noel Nickavina Motorsports, or N Motorsports. Motorsports, um, and yeah, just got sort of hooked into this great gang of guys uh, operating out of Regina um, that that will race anything. Uh, <laughs> quite frankly, I think <laughs> I think we're in the middle of building. Three drag cars, the rally car, and the champ car right now. We're just kind of wow. fiddling on different bits um, a few nights a week. Um, and with
1: that team, you've run two events now?
2: Yeah, uh, we did We did Edmonton um, last year, uh, and that was a, a double 10. Um, and then this summer, we're doing Indy, and uh, I've got my Canadian competition license uh, now, Western Canadian Motorsports Association license, so I'll be able to do some Thanks. more on-track stuff up here for
3: the yes, so. people that aren't aware double 10 means two 10 hour races in one weekend so yeah, yeah 10, 10 hours on saturday 10 hours on sunday
2: yeah we, uh, awesome. we just won both of them uh two no, <laughs> no, <big. laughs> no, <laughs> no big deal, deal. yeah two hundred thousand no. kilometer uh which is a lot of miles I, i'm not sure how many uh honda motor One hundred twenty-four thousand. Dr- i was drinking about uh, uh a quart of oil every time we came into the pits uh, finish both races without blowing up. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah.
0: thirsty. How did yeah. the, how did the Canadian champ car experience differ from the American champ experience? Was there much difference? Uh,
2: yeah, it's the rule. The rule set's the same. Um, the, the, the list of competitors is a little shorter. Um, it's, you know, it's still a big or, you know, lower population density. There's, there's a few less teams around. Mm-hmm. Um, the the but like i said the rule sets the same the biggest change was actually on pit road um because in canadian champ car because it's a different organization they actually didn't have a minimum pit stop time even for fueling Um, oh really yeah so it was you know if you could uh, and we could if you could dump you know whatever 15 gallons of fuel into your car in a minute and a half uh then (laughs) then you were were golden way ahead of the rest of the competition (laughs) Um, so for,
0: for, for reference for our listeners champ car us has a rule whereby if you are fueling the car the pit stop which is generally once every two hours that's the stint that a driver can enjoy on track that the pit stop has to be from pit in to pit out has to be a minimum of five minutes yeah uh, that's it's a, just, it's a
3: safety thing
0: it's a safety feature to to ensure that teams aren't messing with quick flow uh, delivery systems and aren't racing around in a fire hazard trying to get the car service.
3: Some Canadians don't and, have rules. and to make it's sure, <laughs> want well, to make sure they get the the drivers strapped in safely. Yes. Oh yeah, well, right.
2: and it makes a lot of sense because uh, two pit stalls down from us, the the um, the Canadian Champ Car Series also allows um, and and has I think moved on this, but allowed at that time, um, uh, basically a fuel cell with a funnel into the back of it, and so there's a team two cars down from us, uh, two pits that stalls down from us that was pouring into the funnel. Um, running a rotary and it was like slow motion our car had come in there came car came in we were battling for the lead and um and we're watching as we're fueling ours and we see uh we see their driver hop in start the car while they're still fueling at the back and that rotary exhaust i mean it went up in flames and it was Jeez. 25 25 feet tall in a second um luckily you know everyone's around with the fire extinguishers we got it all put out got it back out on track but yeah that i think uh I think there was a lot of people needing new race suits after that day. That was, that was spicy.
1: Race suits and underwear.
2: Care. Yeah, race suits and underwear.
1: Uh, so moving forward, you said that you guys are going to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We'll yeah. see you there.
2: Yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be passing you on the outside. <laughs>
1: yeah, until you break down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other than Indianapolis, what racing plans do you have moving forward?
2: Um, so, like I said, I got my Western Canadian Motorsports Association license, um, and so that means I can uh, race uh, pretty much uh, pretty much any series in Canada. Um, so, I'm going to be doing uh, some testing with our Champ car. I'm going to be doing, um, I'm planning on doing here and there, maybe I'd like to get into one of the Formula V's that the team runs uh, up here. Um, and try that out. I'm not sure if that'll be this season or next season. Um, and we're we're going to be doing a few champ car events um, this season as well. So um, I think we're going back to Edmonton. Um, I think the uh, current plan is that, in addition to Indy, we're going to be going to um, a track in Colorado. Um, I want to say it's not in Boulder. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the track, though. Um, I'll find it. One it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, first weekend of September. Uh, we're planning on going. Um, that would be... That sounds plausible. Yeah. Like, is it? Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. It's... Yeah. It's a event. Well meet? Oh, actually, maybe it's not. Maybe it's an AER event. We're, oh, we're debating the... a lot. So
0: Okay, so AER. You brought up AER. Um, yeah. So AER is the American Endurance Racing, and they are... I would, I would turn them a competitive champ in that they run endurance racing, run to a specific rule book, and uh, for the budget conscious racer. Now, the cars traditionally, from what we've seen, are a little faster than those that run a champ car. They're built to a slightly higher spec, more freedom in the rule book. What would d- determine your your thoughts in comparison between doing an AER event versus a champ car event?
2: Uh, uh, so, I, I haven't done an AER event yet. So full disclosure, Um, we uh, talking about it with the team, um, just for a little background, like the folks, Noel McAvina uh, probably the, you know, if you wanted to give him a title, pretty informal around here, but he's, he's probably like the, the guy who's been around racing, road racing the longest in our group. Um, He's, he's done some uh, NASCAR North, done uh, some uh, speed wheel challenge stuff. So he's, he's been around the block a little bit. Um, But anyway, his description of AER relative to Champ Car um, is is yeah it's a series that takes itself a little bit more seriously. The uh, the safety regulations are a little more stringent. Um, the car prep is a little more demanding. And uh, if you show up in a in a Miata or in a Neon uh, as as we are wont to do, um, you're going to be in among the slowest cars on class or right. sorry slowest cars on track. You, you'll You'll be racing alongside, you know, anything from Porsches and Mustangs right up to, um, you know, I want to say at Thunder Hill, they're running, you know, Radicals Radicals and stuff like that. So very fast cars on the track. Um, And the requirements uh, on the driving side are are a lot more stringent as well. To race in Champ Car, you need an international driver's license uh, or a a driver's license in your home country. and that's about it. You show up that's for a school yeah. and they they give you like a little flag lesson, um, uh, and then they put you out on track. And um, at AER, I want to say um, you need to have a uh, an SCCA or equivalent uh, license to get out on a track, um, and um, they they demand a little bit uh, a little bit more evidence of driver experience essentially.
1: So. You've drove a champ car in 2017, 2018, and soon to be 2019. Yeah. What? In which ways do you see champ car developing moving forward? So kind of long-term evolution of champ car, which direction do you see them going?
2: Um, I think the champ Cars is actually in a really good spot. Um, I think... I think that a lot of the great decline of motorsport, you know, speaking broadly over the last you know, decade or two, to me, it really feels like because all of a sudden we cut off the development of grassroots drivers with just prohibitive costs um, in all kinds of series and, and the development of, you know, uh, of entry-level mechanics. You still yeah. see a lot of strength in the, in the oval world because you've got, you know, circle tracks running every single weekend. And a lot of opportunities to you know get in as a guy that's going to lug tires, and maybe a guy that's going to tighten tires, and maybe a guy that's going to learn what a track bar is or what a sway bar is, and, and you know sort of learn how to set up a car. And those opportunities don't just exist in road racing in North America. And so I think Champ Car and, and series like it are, are filling a really important hole. And so I hope the Champ Car remembers that and and doesn't um, doesn't chase the dragon of you know well like, oh, we could go a little faster, oh we could we could spend a little more. Um, too far, and and remembers that you know there's um, there's a lot of beauty uh, in a racing series that uh, believes in redneck engineering and passionate people coming together with a few dollars um, and and you know accomplishing something amazing like racing a race car for twenty four hours in in sleet and rain and and <laughs> craziness out on track.
0: So you would say that uh, the rulebook stability would be a good thing for champions. It got to the yeah. point where where the rule book's pretty well defined. It gets little tweaks every year, but there have been major steps.
2: Yeah. Well, and I was reading through the petitions this year, and and there were a few. You know, there were a few that um, that pointed towards you know bringing in some newer cars onto the series. Uh, I think I think that that's a, a reasonable idea. I mean, uh, assuming that the newer cars are going to continue to go down in price, which you know, we're still waiting on that, in the, you know, mid-2000s, <laughs> 2010s, those cars are still pretty expensive, but... Don't worry, the crash is coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then um, I also think that, um, I think that there's some development on the champ car side to be done from the way um, they tier entrance into the series. Um, so uh, speaking to the listeners and, and to you folks as well, but... I, Champ Car classes cars based on the size of the engine, um, with modifiers applied for, you know, turbo or non-turbo. This is yep. getting a little technical, but long story short, um, it's I think it's a bit of a relic um, from a time when the series was a little closer to that $500 car sort of idea. And I think that the series should seriously consider moving to a system that um, the tiers the cars based on their their performance index, which is a points value that's assigned based on the kind of mods that you've, you've applied to your car like arrow kits or, or yeah. uh, engine upgrades that sort of thing um i think that would be meaningful um because it would allow people that want to come in and just dip their toes in to have a legitimate shot at winning their class um comparing against like cars that are similar because there could be a 1.8 liter Miata, that's got, you know, three-quarters of the body cut away and giant wind on the roof and underneath, uh, that is, you know, 10 seconds a lot faster than your stock one, 1. 1.8 liter Miata, right, for example. And so yeah. I, I think there's some work to be done around, around there.
0: That's interesting. No, I would agree with that. From what we've seen, like, we're, we're the Miata team we're in HJ. We run in the class A, which is the hypothetically slowest class, uh, based upon purely engine capacity up to point liters. And... It's not necessarily representative of the absolute pace of the car relative to the others on track.
2: Yeah, and I think you Maybe. see a lot of, I think you see like a lot of, uh, there's there's a lot of sort of like weird um, understandings of the rules that that center around the classing system um, yes. that I think would be dispelled if people understood VPI, like your performance points, are what. Meant.
0: Also, as well, I mean, it should point out that there's no real um, benefit necessary to winning your class. Uh, you got a nice little trophy, but it doesn't count towards ultimate championship points or your there's standings money. or your prize money at the end of the season. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have. It's certainly I mean, we really we really like having something to race towards, even if it's class win, because I don't think we're in a position challenge for overall wins at all yet. Speaking from a huge ass perspective, I know that Devon's Neon has won overall at that Edmonton race. Very well, proud. they've
2: they've had a few wins um, in in the states as well um, yeah. with with uh, with chassis before that one. I don't know if that chassis has any overall victories, but um, yeah, and it, and it it's kind of interesting because if you think about two cars, I mean Miata versus Neon, right off the top of your head, front wheel drive versus rear wheel drive, you know. Uh, they're pretty yeah, different they cars. Fastly different. But it, it's nice that in, in Champ Car, you can, you can take your car of choice, like this Honda Accord we did last year, and turn it into something that can be competitive and that and can even win. I mean, that's, that's pretty exciting.
1: Well, Devin, I, guess, a, I really agree with you on the rules and just kind of the entry level. I think you did a great job of kind of outlining that. I appreciate you coming on board. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say?
2: No, um, just thank you very much for the opportunity, and I'd, I'd love to be back on with you guys.
0: Well, yeah, thank you very much, Devin. And we're, we're looking really looking forward to catching up with you at uh, Indie. And it's been a yeah. while since we all saw you since 2017 at VIR, even though you'll be driving for a competitor
2: now. I, I'm very excited, and I, I hope to get back in that if you just me out again. Oh, you'll uh, be there. There'll always the be a spot for you there, don't worry. Cheers. A bit of friendly right.
3: competition would be good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of friendly competition.
0: Yeah that was devon peters everybody thank you uh devon for coming in uh, it's great to get a an insight as to uh how you can really so easily get involved in grassroots motorsport this is a guy who got to know a team through a virtual simulation and through our contacts with him our trust built up over the internet he's ended up driving for a century for our race and doing really well just based upon experience from the sim and that really ties together the theme for the Champ Car Sim Series, the Champ Car Endurance Series, and Team Huge Ass that we've seen. Uh, so I don't have anything else to mention, guys. I don't know, Andrew, Alex, if you uh, have anything to round to us out with. I just want
1: to a car right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, yeah. all this talking about it, I'm like, man, I just want to,
0: I, want to yeah, I tell you, I mean, where are we? We're end of April. We are working four towards weeks. Memorial Day weekend, four weeks to go until we're on track at Watkins Glen. I know that yep. Alex and... Uh, Jim and uh, Mike Derby are working away hard at the Technology Center, making sure that car's ready, and they're doing a fantastic job down there. I've seen the pictures that Alex It'll sends It'll be me.
1: three weeks at the release of this podcast, so it's, it will it's be coming three up weeks. quick. It's
0: coming up pretty quick, and uh, we'll be sure to bring you uh, all the news from Watkins Glen um, on, the, on the podcast episode afterwards. So, reminder, podcast, this has been our second episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we are running on a fortnightly schedule now, so our next release will be in two weeks' time. After the Spanish Grand Prix. And if you have any feedback for us, if you have any notes, if you want to drop us a line, if you want to appear on the podcast, if you have something that you really want to talk about in the motorsport world, then just drop us a line. Uh, we have an email address, it's hjmpodcast at gmail.com. That's H S in Hue, and jazz and MSM Motorsport Podcast at gmail.com. And this has been it from us today. I've been Tom Allison. And it's goodbye from me, goodbye from Andrew Fawcett. Goodbye. And goodbye from Alex Cofford. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, indeed. (laughs) And in the booth, Uh... producing the episode, as always, has been uh, Michael Derby. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening.